Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of our new podcast, Something is Missing. My name is Zan. And my name is Anthony. And we are going to take you on a journey back over a decade now to Joshua Tree National Park. Joshua Tree National Park is where missing person Bill Iwasco uh, was last seen. And that was on June 24th, 2010. And despite great efforts, Bill has not been located. Hence, something is missing. There is some piece of information that no one has yet. And that is the key to locating Bill. I have no personal connection to this case or the search for Bill. I was introduced to it by Anthony about five years ago, and it has just stuck with me. What I bring to the table personally to this case is I don't have any personal firsthand knowledge or experience researching this case. However, I have and continue to spend a somewhat significant amount of time in the Mojave Desert every year, hiking by myself the same way that Bill did. So together, we're going to go through some of these mysteries and see if we can't unravel some of the issues with this case and maybe come up with some better ideas. And we hope you come along for the ride with us. And we will see you out on the trail. Enjoy. Welcome to the Bill Owasco. We don't know where the hell he is and if we'll ever be able to find him podcast. Uh, my name is Anthony and I am the desert person on this podcast. And I'm Zan and I am the random person on this podcast. Also, I'm editing this to note that we have changed the name of the podcast from the Bill Owasco, We Don't Know Where the Hell He Is or If We'll Ever Find Him podcast to Something Is Missing, which is a little easier to remember. Yeah, so to start off with, uh, I know quite a bit about this case because I've read about it for nearly a decade, because we're nearing a decade since this went down. Uh, and it was only four years prior, 2006, that I went to the Mojave for the first time. And the first place I ever went to in the Mojave and hiked at was Joshua Tree National Park. Uh, and the areas they've searched for him in, I've never hiked there because I've only been three times, not really my my favorite place in the desert. Uh, I viewed them from a distance and I know where they are for the most part. 
so I'll get into more of that later as and also as to why Joshua Tree that park and the little area may not be the best for a solo hiker potentially. So yeah. Well, maybe we should go back for a minute and talk about who we're talking about. That is Bill Owasco. Yes. Yes, I'll let you, I'll let you talk about Bill right. Well, now. all right. I should say I only found out about this about five years ago. And all of the information I have essentially is what I've read um, various sources. So Bill Owasco has been missing for 10 years. He disappeared on June 24th, 2010. And when that happened, he was having taking a hike uh, solo at Joshua Tree. And evidently, he was quite experienced and in good health, but somehow he never came back. And people have been unable to locate him. So we can get into him more later, but I think it would be great, Anthony, if you could just tell us about your experience um, at Joshua Tree. Okay, so that... So the, the first time I ever went out there, I started at Joshua Tree. And just to kind of set the stage here, it was a very, very late afternoon that I flew into Las Vegas. And I, I got in about five or so and uh, got the rental car. And it was a, uh, a green Nissan Maxima, which I drove down to... Um, with what was uh, 29 palms because there's 29 palms the town of joshua tree the town of yucca valley those are the three big touristy areas around the park to the north at least um so i drove in kind of under the cover of darkness pretty much actually so i didn't really know much of what was that the land looked like or anything until the next morning i got up at the hotel and i went to the park and uh it was the first time hiking in any kind of desert park anything like that first time hiking in a national park at all and so i i pay my fee and i go in and the first thing you notice about joshua tree um there's a few things one the amount of traffic in 2006 it was pretty bad but it's gotten much worse uh the other things are the fact that there are kind of curbs everywhere like concrete curbs which is not something they have in the mojave preserve or death valley where i spend pretty much all my time in the desert um which is very odd and the other thing is there's lots and lots of boulders and the boulders, when you see those cartoony boulders and shows such as the Flintstones and things along those lines, that's what you're thinking of. Well, you see those kind of prehistoric scenes and movies and things like that. Joshua Tree is kind of like that, at least the parts I've been in. Now, I've never done any backcountry stuff in Joshua Tree because I don't have a four-wheel drive vehicle. Um, you know, of course, it's the desert. It's going to get hot there. And this will come up later. 
because I was there in very, very late May, very early June. So, and Bill Owasco disappeared in mid to late June. So I, I can give you a feeling for what it's like. Um, it's not too bad once you're acclimated to it, but the first time you're out there or if you haven't been out in it, training like where you live or anything like that it's very crazy it is it, it feels as if there's a blast furnace on your eyes when the wind blows and if it's the heat of the day um joshua tree to me from what i've seen and what i've looked at on the maps would be very difficult to get lost in from my standpoint but i tend to have a pretty good excuse me, sense of direction, and I don't get lost easily while hiking or driving or anything like that. Um, that isn't to say that someone who experienced a medical event couldn't get lost there. Well, and I think that that's definitely something that we should go back to, but it sounds like Bill was also quite prepared as far as his experience with hiking. So that, you know, barring some really crazy unforeseen medical event, I, I'm not sure. But yeah, he had hiked, definitely hiked. All right. So back to you and your experience at Joshua Tree. Sorry about that. So, okay. Now this, so, you know, I came in under cover of darkness and, you know, went out a little bit during the day and just did stuff in the park mainly things along those lines and joshua tree for those who do not know and you're going to hear you're going to hear me at least refer to a couple of other places that are not joshua tree but just for comparison's sake you will hear me refer to death valley and the mojave national preserve um and so if someone doesn't know where those are doesn't have a map handy to the north of Joshua Tree, maybe two hours, is Joshua Tree National Park. To the north of the Mojave Preserve, if you need to go in on a paved road, about another hour and a half to the north is Death Valley National Park, which is huge. And then to the um, slightly to the north, to the northeast of the Mojave Preserve is Las Vegas. So. Los Angeles is closer than Vegas. Uh, a lot of people go out to Joshua Tree. They go out to Yucca Valley, 29 Palms, Coachella Valley, that kind of thing on the weekends, whenever. Uh, there's also, in that part of the Mojave, not so much around the Mojave Preserve and not around the Death Valley area, there is a problem with illicit drug use and when i say that i mean meth there's a lot of meth down in that area or at least there was at that time between 2006 and 2012 which was the last time i went to joshua tree because there's lots and lots of tweakers i'm just gonna say it there's lots of tweakers i never will forget uh 2012 when i was there <laughs> driving by and seeing a guy um who was obviously tweaked out getting out of this truck at this gas station. And instead of going in and buying water, he picked up the little uh, tube that you used to fill your tires with. And for some reason you could 
use water from it, maybe for radiator purposes. He started drinking from that. Um, and yeah, it was always very entertaining um, to kind of just watch the people there because there's this strange dichotomy of these people that come in from LA or different parts of the world to Joshua Tree National Park. And then you've got this kind of underbelly and that's not to say anything bad about those communities because everybody's got that, but it's not, I don't think it's as bright, sunshiny roses as everyone wants it to be. And you have to remember, this is the desert and things can be dangerous. I just always think of, I believe it was a couple from somewhere and uh, it was a couple somewhere Western Europe. I want to say one of the Nordic countries who were convinced that because of the name, the U2 tree had to be in that park. And so then they took this rental car down a dirt road, got stranded and died in the middle of the summer. So you don't have as many, I would say, quote unquote, hardcore desert people going to this park as you would, let's say, Death Valley or Mojave Preserve. Even. Okay. So going back to the illicit drug use for a second, are these people who you would run into just on your way in and out of the park if you stopped for gas or wherever you're staying or you see them inside as well well you would outside outside i mean definitely uh you know gas stations things along those lines and it's just a very it's also just a very transient kind of place because there is a two-lane highway that goes directly through there and it isn't, it's an, it's a not as well used artery from LA to Las Vegas. But if you want to go up from LA and also there's a Marine base down at 29 Palms. So you've got that, that kind of element thrown in there as well. So there's people constantly coming in and out of this town, which could lead you in some interesting directions when you think about Bill Iwasco. Um, but yeah, it's no secret that there's a big meth problem in rural parts of the country, and that's no different in the desert, and you will see those people. Oh. You will see them out and about. Yeah, that, that definitely does add something to it. So, can you tell us about the kind of places where Bill Oasco was hiking? Because it sounds like he was not, you know, with the crowds who came from Vegas or Los Angeles. Yes. Okay. So Bill, Bill was supposed to be, okay. Bill told someone else that he was going to a place called Carrie's castle, which is not anywhere near where his car was found. Carrie's Castle is one of those places that got ruined because of social media. It's this little cave, and there's some pictographs uh, in the area, from what I understand. And so that's a draw. And this guy named Carrie had put like a little mini house in, in this canyon, in the cave, put a door in and everything. And it used to be this little hidden secret, but then it got on the internet and people started going there all the time. Uh, so <laughs> that's where that's where he wound that's where he was supposed to go. However, 
let me look at my information here because I want to make sure I get this exactly correct when I put this out here. Okay, his car was at the Juniper Flats Trailhead. Now, Juniper Flats in Joshua Tree is not a place I have ever hiked before. However, when you hear the word flat in the desert, don't believe it. Because <laughs> it's, it's not going to be perfectly flat. It's not going to be as if you're walking on an open plain somewhere. When you are on a flat in the desert, sometimes you'll get one that's really easy and smooth. But a lot of the time, it's not going to be completely flat. Because there's rock everywhere. Because the very geographic nature of these areas is a lot of volca volcanic and seismic activities. So there's going to be lots of debris. Um, Juniper Flat also goes up into some mountainous territory. Some very rocky, just nasty terrain. And even if you look at it on the topographic maps, you could see just how crazy some of the elevations are because they're steep mountains. And when you read these accounts of people who have searched for them, it's, you know, and these are experienced hikers. They talk about how difficult it is. And these are guys that usually don't have to use hiking poles. They're having to use hiking poles because the rock's so loose and slippery. That's where he's thought to be in some area such as that if he is there if nothing else happened if he parked at juniper flats he was probably going to go uh, also up a place called quail mountain um but there <laughs> there's no trail to quail mountain there's a trail to juniper flats so that throws a little more a little more unease on the entire thing because if you try to summit one of those desert mountains without a trail, you could very easily get into trouble. So, uh, just a side note, if you don't know what you're doing out there, don't, don't go and don't go up. Yeah, yeah, you should <laughs> definitely put in some plugs for what people should do if they want to come back yeah. in good shape. <laughs> If you if you want to do something like this, there's a few essentials that you need. Number one is you. Make sure that you are in good enough shape to handle something like this. Um, make sure that you have good shoes. You have more than enough water. If you run out of half your water, when half your water is gone, turn back to where you uh, started from. Because... Once you're down to half your water, if you're down to half your water at the end of your hike, cool. You know, at the, once you've reached your point, then you could turn back. Have your water. Tell someone where you are going. Don't do, don't do like Bill did and say you're going one place and go to another. If you do change your mind, make a drive out of range it, to where you could get cell phone range and tell people. Tell them where you're going, when you expect to be back. If you have the means, by all means, get an in-reach device or a spot tracking device so you can communicate. Use it as an SOS communicator beacon. Take food. Take anything you might need. And if at any point it gets scary or you say, I don't think I could do this, turn around or go do something else because it's not worth it. And my thoughts on Bill 
if he's somewhere in the park, I think he got into a situation that he should not have. But in his case, even though he was, you know, he was an older guy, but he was in good shape and had done it before. So I don't know. Well, but a few things that you just touched on, one was water. And I think that was an issue. Is that correct? That he did not yeah. have, seem to have an adequate amount? Yes. And if I, re if I recall correctly, and just kind of a generality, it's not to get too specific here, the amount of water he took would have been okay that time of year if he was getting out and walking to, there's a place in the park called Barker Dam. And there's always lots of people in and out, lots of traffic. If you took a 16-ounce bottle with you to walk, you know, a quarter of a mile, an eighth of a mile, and you could see your car, you could see people, that's okay. But he did not have enough water with him to do any of this, any time of year. It's because it's not just the heat. It's the dryness because it just sucks moisture out of you as you breathe and just exist. So he did. He was woefully unprepared with water. It was bad. Which just seems strange for an experienced hiker who planned to go to Joshua Tree, if not um, the location where his car was found. It, that just seems odd that he, he would bring so little water. It, it, it is very odd. It is very odd. But I will tell you this. I'm probably over cautious with my water because I have, I, back in October on one hike that I knew was going to take me about 17 or 18 miles, not only did I have my 72 ounce Camelback on, I had a gallon in my hand and then I stashed a gallon halfway to my destination so I could refill. And I've started doing that quite a bit lately, like taking an extra, if not a gallon, like a 32-ounce bottle and stashing it so I can get it on my way back just to have that extra security there. Uh, so water is always a consideration. Uh, most hikers that I know, let me take that back, all hikers I know, that's their top thought out there. However, I will tell you this, just human nature in general, I've seen people in Death Valley driving as I drive past like a touristy place where let's say there's a one or two mile hike, it could be 90 degrees outside and you'll see people leave with one of those little tiny like eight ounce bottles of water they got from the hotel that morning. Ooh. So you don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very bad. So besides the lack of water, I, I can't think of anything else that was really, uh, that really stuck out as, as a risk for him. No, well, that, that, I mean, of course, the biggest two risks, it, and kind of going back to what I was saying is, number one, you, and number two, the, and, and then the environment as well. And in the environment, I, I include in that area, I would include humans with the environment because it's just so easy for humans to encroach on all that territory around the park because it's so surrounded. Like, for instance, I'm gonna re I'm gonna refer back to Death Valley. There's like there's to get to a town from Central Death Valley, like even if you're at Furnace Creek, the big touristy place, you've got an hour drive one way and about 
two hours the other way. Joshua Tree, everyone's right in there, which is good and bad because we still don't know what happened to him. Was someone else involved? Is he sitting up there somewhere? I mean, there's just all kinds of weird things about this case um, that we'll get into as we go on. And one of the things that I just thought of that when you were bringing up oddities, it, we'll have to come back to this because we're not there yet. But for instance, the night he disappeared, someone saw what they said was, looked like a flashlight up on one of the mountains, up on the hills, the ridges. So there's lots of weird things about this. I, I just don't know. I've never had a good feeling about this case. Oh, no, certainly not. <laughs> It's just, I, I do wonder, though, whether it was just a, an error on his part um, that he didn't have enough water, that he got lost, that he was injured, um, or, or, as you said, whether there was someone else involved and we're talking about, like, something different altogether. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean if you think about it, I mean, there's, there's really only three things that could have happened. One, he runs off. Two, something untoward happened to him just by very nature of the environment he was inhabiting. Three, someone did something to him. Right. And, and what are your thoughts as if you just had to, had to make a guess as to which is most likely? Well, at about f five years ago, I, I would have sat here and probably said, Bill got injured or had a heart attack, had a stroke, got some kind of injury, and then never, you know, never recovered and perished there in the park somewhere, which would make sense with that cell phone data that's out there, which we will tackle in another episode because it's crazy. Um, you have a cell phone ping that's very oddly timed and probably should have happened earlier because you get pretty good cell phone reception in most parts of that park. Now where it pinged from, it's unlikely that he would have had much reception there. So that is something that could tell us that yes, he did get in trouble in the park. However, there is now a line of thought from Verizon from the data they gave that it could have been anywhere in a 10.6 mile radius around that tower, not just inside the park. So perhaps now I'm more of the mind and the opinion. And after reading more about the, some of the people and things that have gone on in that part of the desert, I'm more of the mind. I'm 50, 50. He could still be in the park, but I'm gradually inching closer to saying something really weird happened to him or he ran off. And at one point, I guess that theory was floated by the the poor lady that was his partner. Um, and it did not go well when they brought that up. So as hard as it is, as it is maybe for his family to think that that's always something you could say, but I just don't see him running off. He had a business, he had family back home, and he doesn't seem like the kind of person who would do that to somebody, which leaves us with environment or somebody did something to him. It's weird. 
Well, and, and it is weird. And I mean, to me, at least, it seems weird that they've never found him, never really found anything. And these are our search and rescue people like who mm -hmm. are experienced, I mean, with search and rescue and with the desert. So that's always just another thing that has seemed odd to me. Yeah, there's there was never anything found. There was a bandana found at one point, but there's no link to that to Bill. And it's the desert. There's lots of people with bandanas, right. and that is not. And that that area gets pretty pretty regular foot traffic in the fall, spring, um, and winter. So I mean, it just depends. It just really depends. I. And things don't vanish as quickly in the desert as people think they do. For instance, the Death Valley Germans, their stuff was still there 14 years later. Right. IDs, sunglasses. Uh, I found <laughs> I found a lens to an old camera I don't even use anymore at a petroglyph site that I visited in 2013. I went back last year. I figured out where I dropped my lens. It was at the foot of a hill, and it was still sitting there because it was on top of a rock, and the rain hadn't washed it away, and it was perfect. So things get sunburned and sunbaked, and there is the matter of animals potentially messing with remains. But let me tell you, if animals have messed with that, I've seen the way coyotes spread stuff around, things along those lines. It would make us more likely to find him. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's bizarre. Now, here's something I was thinking about today. If you were hiking and got into trouble, like a medical issue that wasn't fatal, but was debilitating, are there things that you would do um, besides using an SOS device or cell phone, like to alert people that you exist and as- Oh, as yeah. Oh, oh yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, so there's one thing that when we were talking about how to stay safe, when you go hiking by yourself, always take something, take two things that you can create a spark or fire with. And I always take, I have a fire starter and a lighter. And I also have matches, so I actually take three. Um, yeah, let me tell you this. If you start some kind of fire in the desert that creates smoke during the day, someone is going to see it uh, because that is not a common occurrence. And especially if you're in one of those desert national parks, you know what they're going to think? They're going to think either someone's in trouble, there's a wildfire, or there's a meth fire. Well, I was, I was just going to say, uh, I, I figured that tied back into the, the meth. Yes. <laughs> So you will definitely, you will get someone's attention that way because I personally know, know one person online and I know of four others who got rescued in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that way within four hours. And one of them was in a very, very remote place in Death Valley, high up in the Panamint Mountains, and his wasn't a life-threatening injury, but one of his shoes fell apart on him. <laughs> well, may not be life-threatening but no that happen just in life I, that would be quite a hindrance while hiking anyway yes and so he started a fire in the middle of the day 
and two hikers <laughs> came upon him because of the smoke and were actually able to get him like kind of operational with the shoes and walk back to his camp with him. And he was able to drive out and buy more shoes and start hiking again. Uh, but fire will save you. And you've got, just think about it, you've got all that dry material. Even if you're incapacitated, you're going to be able to reach something that will smoke. You can do it. Sure. Uh, just start a little fire and you will get someone's attention. The other thing you're going to want to do is just make yourself as visible as possible and when you're hiking out there, you're going to wear something kind of bright or at least wear something that's bright. You know what I mean? And you need something you can signal with like a old CD or a mirror or even like a cell phone. You use a screen that's really reflective and fire first, though. Definitely fire. Well, that is good to know. Now, I, I need to go over all of this again and, and reread the information, but do we know what what bill was wearing we do not know what bill was wearing exactly at least i have not seen that i will go back in and look as well but he there may have been something about that but you know and june in the mojave desert in the middle of the day you know there's not too many choices that are going to be that comfortable you've got like you got shorts, t-shirt, um, or you've got a long sleeve shirt to protect you from the sun, and maybe like some um, tactical pants, which are what I usually wear out there. Uh, so you don't have much, many options if you're being sane. Now, if he went out there in jeans and something else, then I would say this guy does not know what he's doing. But we don't know. Well, all right. Um... I don't know. It, it is interesting, I will say. The small amount of water he took with him just has just always raised a red flag. Because I'm just I just do not understand that. Me, even if I, I've been in Death Valley in December before when the high was only like 65 degrees, right? Well, you know, you got the sun beating down on you, and what happens if you get stranded, your car breaks down, you get injured? So you know what? Go ahead and take that extra water with you just to be safe. And maybe he was being reckless. Who knows? That's something we'll have to explore. Now, is there any chance that the information available regarding his water is just incorrect and that he took a bottle of water or however many bottles but had a camelback or a hydration pack of some sort. It could be. It could very well be. And, you know, that's what's interesting about the whole thing because that water is based off a receipt. Um, and the empty bottles that were found in a condo he rented for that trip out there and could have stopped, you know, at multiple places and bought a camelback and gotten larger bottles of water or something like that. We just don't know. Well, yeah, and, and again, I mean, I think that is the interesting thing uh, about this case is that there is much that is unknown. Um, so, uh, unclear as to what happened to him, obviously. But some really experienced and good people were involved in in the search for him, and 
and and have been over the years. It wasn't like a limited thing that happened for two weeks in 2010. No, no. And the the guy who has been who has been leading the search for a very long time, Tom Mahood, is the one who found the Death Valley Germans. He's found all kinds of stuff that no one had ever been able to find. And so if Tom cannot find this guy, he's got it narrowed down as of his last update to an area he said that needs to be searched. But if Tom is having such terrible luck with this, maybe it is time to look in other directions because it doesn't make any sense. So where do we go from here? Because we can, we can read and compile the information and present it, but... But what comes next? I think I think the next best thing to do would be to take a look at the day that Bill disappeared. Take a look at the day that Bill disappeared. Uh, we will get our research together on that, compile it, and then we can go on and we can go into exactly what we know happened that day hour by hour yeah that sounds like a good plan and if there's anyone out there who would like to speak with us or provide additional information that would be great and most welcome yes it would be good that would be great we need to we can yeah. definitely reach out to some of those people and see if we can get them on here well i think that's a, a pretty good start and thank you so much for providing some context as far as the desert and the weather and hiking are concerned. Yeah. We're going to get it going. We are going to, we, we will find Bill. Yes, we will definitely find Bill. But yeah, I think we should definitely start with the day he went missing because For there's sure. some crazy stuff in there too. We'll take everyone on the ride with us on the magic bus Whoa. to Joshua Tree. Yeah. Well, all right. Indeed. I guess we should sign off. All right. Talk Goodbye. to you people later. Stay safe in the desert. Stay safe wherever you are. <laughs>